Thank you guys for participating in our polls on Spotify. It looks like you all really loved our episode with Brizzy and want her back on the podcast. We loved her too. We'll have to have her back soon. If you missed her episode, be sure to check out episode number 76 from two weeks ago. And also let us know what guests you want to see in upcoming episodes via the question box on Spotify. Today, we welcome Susan Boggio, a woman who has worked hard to provide help to the suffering, both human and non-human, as she puts it. Susan has an extensive background and has held positions such as the Southwest Regional Board Chair of UNICEF USA and the owner of Happy Face Dog Ranch. We hope you're as inspired by Susan as we are. This is the Balanced Voice Podcast. Susan Bojo, philanthropist, yes. animal advocate, child advocate. Everything advocate. Everything advocate. I've had conversations, you've had conversations with Susan on politics. Many hours. History, crime, everything. You are so fascinating. And, you know, Jen and I always kind of ponder, like, how do we start? Where do you want to start? And first of all, we're so happy you're here. Well, I'm happy to be here with two wonderful ladies, two wonderful women who want to protect others, make a difference. And you do. Thank you. Thank thank you. you. So tell us, okay, nonprofit hat on. We don't do anything without philanthropists and people who, you know, fund the programs. You are a philanthropist. Talk to us about, like, what does that mean? And how do you pick a cause? And... What's speaking to you right now? Well, I would say that I'm always evolving Mm -hmm. in what I want to direct my time, talent, and treasure towards. Mm -hmm. And uh, ever since I was little, my mother was a big influence on me on always trying to be charitable. I remember we lived in North Carolina, and we would get these little artifacts from the Cherokee Nation about the kids that were in orphan homes there. Mm -hmm. And she would always say, we've got to give and help them. And then uh, later when my father passed away and I had a relationship with that, I felt more akin to people emotionally suffering because I was suffering. We didn't have counselors back then uh, for children with parents that I was not quite eight Mm -hmm. and it was uh, killed by a drunk driver on Easter Sunday of all things. So, uh, you know, the trajectory of your life is changed sometimes in dramatic ways that you don't anticipate and that can happen at any time in your life. And I think that early on that that helps mold you. And I remember reading something recently uh, from Steve Jobs, of all Mm -hmm. people, that he was saying that, uh, you know, there are these uh, points along your path, along your life, but you can't look forward to connect the dots until you look behind. Mm -hmm. You've got to look behind and say, where are these dots leading me? Mm -hmm. And I thought that was very important because I think a lot of us can relate to dots, points in our life that really impacted us where we could have gone this way or that way, but because of something that happened, we went in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And I was just always um, attracted to want to help those that were suffering. And I had a deep love for animals, even as a child. And um, I always had empathy for other children. I can, uh, real briefly, I just remember a terrible thing when I was in elementary school after my father passed. And another child was hit by a bus and killed, a school bus. And I just remember weeping and weeping. And my mother said, what is wrong? And I said, because why did that child die? He was so innocent. And she said, Susan, you take things to heart. Yeah. And, um, you know, 
but I did, and I just couldn't help myself. And so I think all my life I've just related to the underdog or the suffering person or an animal, and I just always felt this empathy, mm-hmm. and I did like compassion means to suffer with. I would mm-hmm. suffer with if a friend had something or a friend was being bullied. I would feel that, and I think that that is um where mine comes from. But then as I got older, I intellectually wanted to think about why are these things important, which caused me to study psychology and philosophy and comparative religions to look for answers on why people do what they do. And I started thinking about as I was in a position to make a financial difference, and I'd always given. I was reading books on tape for the blind when I was in college, mm. and uh, that's really early to start. I, I just about was these types of things. Yeah, and it was just very important to me to make a difference. And I um, met someone in in college that was blind, and I remember thinking about him and what could I do. And this was something, you know. He said, "Well, you know, we have that taping service." For the blind and I thought oh my god I love to read so this is perfect That's for me amazing. and um, and I continued that on with taping for the blind here in Houston which is now called sight to sound where I read books for about 12 years wow. um, and it was very fulfilling some of the books I read I tried to pick non I mean nonfiction and inspiring mm. books that made people think of their life differently I want to always feel inspired mm. and I can look at historically great people who have done amazing work through history to change lives. And then I think about people close to me that I see that are making a difference, and that inspires me and lets me know what I need to do with my life. And I think I had to start with the basics. You know, as I started looking at the big picture, a global picture, not just meaning the planet, but globally, what that means is that who is suffering the most? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who? And I started looking at, gosh, children. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about, well, in this country. And then I started thinking beyond this country. I thought, who really suffers the most are those in the areas of grinding poverty, mm-hmm. where they don't have food, they don't have clean water, they don't have access to an education, they aren't protected, they're not safe mm-hmm. from predators of every type who mm-hmm. want to exploit them and abuse them and harm them. And so I thought about charities, and so I started looking at groups like UNICEF, mm-hmm. where I started uh, doing funding in that area with my husband. and. When you go visit these places, you are swept away in 360 environment. The smells, the tastes, the sounds, the sights, they engulf you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, my God. When I went to Calcutta, I remember to visit the girls' school we support and my another inspiration, Deepa, who started it. I just thought, my God, how can they ever get out of this? It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And I was depressed every day, but I put on my happy face when I would mm-hmm. see the girls. Mm-hmm. And then they would tell me stories, and then I would like, Susan, keep that smile yeah. because they're going to see it. Mm-hmm. And they need to see you being happy for them. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. But um, you, before a child can thrive and achieve great things, they have to 
survive. Mm -hmm. You have to survive before you can thrive. You have to have safety and trust. You have to have safety. And we're talking about Crime Stoppers here with safety and with human trafficking, which Jennifer deals with, and child trafficking. You can't survive if you're not safe. Mm. When you're a victim and people purposely trying to exploit you and take advantage of the fact that you're not educated, that you're not this, you're not that, you don't have the means to fight them in any way, physically, financially, emotionally. And they take advantage of that. So I thought about this is where I want to spend some resources here. So were you involved with children first, Susan, or or animals first? I would. It, it's hard to say. I would say they were pretty contemporaneous. Mm. Um, I was always out trying to save a dog or pull over to the side of the road when I, I was growing up. Until this day. I to don't think day. I've ever had a phone call with Susan where she's like, hold on, hold on. I just rescued this dog. Hold on one second. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I just rescued this dog yeah. and we're just getting Same. it fed or we just dropped it off at the vet or I'm picking him up or her up from the vet or we just... Literally, I don't think I've ever... Ever. No. It's, it's always and she won't tell related. us how many dogs are at, no. in her personal care no. at the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a, like, I, I always try number. to get the number. I'm it's like, a vacillating how number. Many, how many different? Yeah. Oh, oh that doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It's irrelevant. They all are the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you think about who's suffering, the same type of people and animals, as you know, are victimized the same. Yeah. When there's uh, child abuse. When there's child sexual abuse, mm. when there's trafficking, when there's dog fighting, mm. when there all these things are related, um, spousal abuse, partner abuse, oh, yeah. um, just like the dog with the brass knuckles oh. that I talked about at the Crime Stoppers thing. Um, right after that, then they had to call, the mother had to call the police from long distance and say, my daughter just got beat up by this guy who already beat up the dog. And um, now he's beating her up. You know, we were having an interesting conversation not, not long ago on another podcast, and, and, and it just like clicked. When, when you're rescuing animals and dogs, like they are a willing participant to want to escape their yeah. situation. Yes. Like there's no conversation of, oh, I don't want to go with you. Or, yeah. I mean, there may be right. some hesitancy to trust you. Good point. But they are willing survivors yes. that who will l- listen and follow you as long as you love on them and pet them. I just thought, well, that that maybe I should trade move over into that. Well, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, there was in this old TV series with Michael Landon, I still remember, called Highway to Heaven. And he had this great quote where these animals were helping people. And he said, isn't it a shame that dog is man's best friend? Mm. And that stuck with me. I thought, you know, they will do everything for us. Mm -hmm. They love us 100%. And humans, not so much. Mm -hmm. They're not as innocent. But we can catch them in their innocence. And we can make a difference. But, again, they have to survive first, get Mm -hmm. the safety. They've got to have food, water, vaccinations against polio, Mm -hmm. measles, um, diphtheria, things like this. And they have to be safe. And um, I've also expanded into uh, my work with refugees, not only through UNICEF, but through Interfaith Ministries oh, and my good. husband through the Catholic Charities, okay. Relief Charities, um, since he's Italian and he's Catholic. <laughs> the same. And it's like she's on pizza. So, uh, you know, we care because we think about people fleeing areas mm. where they have no mm. place to go. Yeah. And they are not always welcome, and they're misunderstood. But these ones that come here are vetted by the State Department. Mm -hmm. So they get only about six months' worth of State Department furnished, like in a low-income apartment. They're not getting a TV or a phone or anything like that. But within 12 months, 
the vast majority, over 90%, are self-sufficient. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Those are lessons we need to take yeah, in other in all communities yeah, in this country. Refugees absolutely. coming with nothing. They, I, with, we, we've, I picked them up from the airport with my friend Tamina, who helps run the refugee services mm-hmm. and wow. as a volunteer. And they have just a little roll-on bag. And uh, we've gotten uh, some from all countries in the world. Uh, and obviously, there are ongoing crises all the time, and we can't take them all. But the ones we do take, believe me, they are more than appreciative. Yeah. They're like, wow, thank you. And yeah. even though my family got here early in this country, I don't think that we should respect people less because they got here later. My yeah. family apparently yes. got here in the 1600s, mm-hmm. John Roper on my family side. But um, my husband's grandparents came here from Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, they've obviously been able to make a difference. And, you know, but again, you cannot thrive and make a difference until you survive. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to get the basics taken care of. And on your giving pyramid, and I like to use visual examples where is the most good you can do? Where is the most mm. trouble that you can solve? It's got to be these people, yes. the majority of the world that lives in this. Mm. And then you can move your way up from that to education is the very next step, mm-hmm. to read and write and all that. You can't do if you're not alive or mm-hmm. you're severely medically So, So survival is first. At like the bottom. Safety and survival is first is what you contribute yes. to. That's your, mo- your core. That's my most core. And then I move on up to education. Because I feel like that is the proverbial rising tide yeah, that raises all get, ships, yeah. no yeah. matter yeah. where it's you're like at. Maslow's, yeah. Maslow's. Exactly, yes. and yeah. I love Maslow, yeah, so I love him. Amazing theory, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. so when you think of that, and as you go up the pyramid, then you can add some of the things that make life enjoyable, pleasurable. Like the arts. Like mm-hmm. the arts. And I think there's nothing wrong with the arts. It's just that if you're going to give, should you give 90% to the arts and 1% to children that are suffering or maybe the other way. It's mm-hmm. it's your choice, but we're talking here about trying to make better philanthropic choices Yeah, and why we choose what we choose and things that enrich our lives. I mean, it, to me, it's like dessert. That in, can enrich my life, but yeah. it's not my main course. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm, I'm not so like this extremely socially refined human being. And so I, I do get frustrated when you see the amount of money that's being raised. And I love the arts. I love, I mean, I can't tell you, I love a good symphony, but I can tell you like a great play. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I do think they enhance and enrich our yes, lives, but it's really hard to watch. We're like, we have little organizations that are struggling on and it's very top heavy, a couple hundred like thousand that. dollars. And then you get these other organizations that are just multi-millions yeah. of dollars. And you're like, what? Yeah. We're just trying to help children and animals survive the world. It seems like art, though, is a safer thing to connect to. Like safer Art. emotionally, yeah, yes. Like, oh God, you want true. me to talk about because children being raped? And is very hard. Hard. It's very hard. I don't want to go there. Arts are beautiful, and yes, yeah. it's fun, and and uh, you You're can exactly all celebrate right. it. Yeah. When I would go to the um, Global Philanthropy Forum for mm-hmm. several years, uh, and there would be people from all over the world that gather um, from different philanthropic angles, like you just can't even believe. It's amazing, and. You know, you'd be sitting at a lunch and go, hello, yes, I'm the vice president of the World Food Bank. Okay. And then you're like, hello, yes, I'm president of the Sierra Club. And then the next person, I have a philanthropic organization called Such and Such Foundation. And so you'd meet amazing people and they would talk about things and they would bring in speakers of all types Mm. um, that were interesting, uh, 
thought leaders, real leaders, not mm. social media leaders that mm. are selling you lipstick or their new little chain. These are real important things they're accomplishing. And I heard stories there that I cannot repeat even here. They were so horrific, like things that were going on in Liberia, mm. in Uganda. They took your breath away. Mm. You could hear people visibly, I mean, audibly gasp. Um, They were, I mean, I can tell you guys privately maybe, but they were so horrific. And you go, wow, this is really heavy. So that's why I think the light things of, yes, let's go shopping and let's do this. And and all of that's light and fun, and it gets your mind off of this. Mm-hmm. But there is also a quote by Albert Schweitzer, who's a great humanitarian, as well as a big animal person. He mm. went there to Africa to help people. And he would say, think sometimes of the suffering of which you spare yourself the sight. Oh, I love Ooh, that. Oh, say that again. Think, think sometimes, sometimes of the suffering of which you spare yourself the sight. Wow. That needs to go on. That literally, on our that is like the greatest quote ever. Right. Uh, again, a humanitarian of the deepest level, selfless, self-sacrificing, medically helping people that were dying. And also he cared about the suffering of the animals. And he even wrote the famous prayer for the animals mm-hmm. because they are innocent mm-hmm. and we mistreat them in his spiritual belief. And don't have the faculties it. to help rescue they don't, themselves. They don't. They can't. Right? They are dependent on yeah. us. And we owe that to people or animals that we feel are lesser. When As soon as you put that onus on that you're lesser so you're not worthy, mm-hmm. it's the opposite. Yeah. Because you are not in this position, you are owed more of my time, my valuable time. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, Susan Fendel, who uh, is writing a book. And I was reviewing the copy of it that she asked me to review. And she talks about being there, showing up. So she not only writes a check, she goes to these places Mm. and she sees the children. And she says being there, touching them, interacting with them, and them saying things to her like, you're so simple, you're so everyday. She goes, I want them to think of me as an equal because I am. Mm. And she tells them, I was you. Because she was. Mm. Well, She was brought up in an orphanage in South Korea. A lot of horrible things happened there. And she's told me. She's written about some of them. And then her UNICEF helped that school that they had. And a sponsor she had with World Vision was in Michigan. And she begged her at 12 years old, can you please adopt me? I don't want to live here anymore. And she did. And then she lived an amazing, interesting life with stuff and meeting interesting people with arts and architecture and things she was interested in in New York. And then she met someone who became her friend, Stefan Fendel, and he's one of the heirs to the Jägermeister fortune in Germany. I want to be the heir. Yes, but he was one. He was not the major one. He got a small amount compared to the others because because he devoted his life to philanthropy and the others were more business oriented, even though he has a law degree. Susan, one of the things that so like kind of hits you over the head when you meet Susan Bogio is you're so unbelievably well-read. You are so unbelievably 
well-read and probably one of the most fascinating women I've met doing the work. Well, you should meet some other women. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. No, and she's, and where does she get the time? That's what I, I know, I know. (laughs) Where do you get the time? (laughs) Well, they're 24 hours in a day. But my question is, you know, when you're (laughs) in this circle and you, you're, the work you're doing with children is phenomenal. Nobody can even question this, like without question, you can't question it. But I wonder when you're in these circles and you sit and rub elbows with people who give millions to arts and millions to, do people ever say, Susan, why are you doing this for the animals? Yes. Like why? Yes, they do. So they much? ask you? Yes. I would think, but I would think that they I've do. had that happen and, and they like are not understanding. Or do something different. Well, when someone says that to me, number one, usually the person saying that to me is not someone who does as much for the humans as they're telling me I need to do oh, more for. They're generally not. And I would like That's to... That's what we call hypocritical. Yeah, a little Go bit. Ahead. A little okay. bit. And they're like, okay, well, let's compare and let's just see. But, you know, I try to be nice. And then... Um, you know, try to do the Jennifer thing, try to be nice. And then, Wait, so, is that the Jennifer thing? Yeah, well, she's trying to she's be nice right, to something. She's, she's, she's actually Wait, being a little facetious. I want to know what that really means. And so then I, I'm like, <laughs> well, um, you know, the thing is, I could give my money to some other things, but I don't feel like that takes away from my compassion mm-hmm. for children yeah, or for refugees yeah. or for because you do those with a, 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 a health issue. Yeah. yeah, It doesn't take away. No. I We have an abundant heart that I feel like is infinite. Mm. I do feel that, and I feel a spiritual connection. And Dan is so supportive. Y'all, y'all support each other supportive. in this. Dan is y'all, amazing. Y'all do it equally. He I, very much is. Yeah. And he, you know, what's so wonderful is that when you have friends or family that does understand you, does get you, they understand this is just an extension of my circle of compassion. I've extended my circle of compassion. And that's what I feel is important. Don't just look at people who are like me. Mm. Because I feel that you cannot be successful in life, what real success means, unless you have people with you. They do not have to be your culture, Mm. your religion, your background. Your gender. Your gender, your politics. We have to make choices and what's more important than any of that is our basic humanity which like could the entire world stop and listen to that right like literally right with i just want to punch people sometimes i know which is so (laughs) nice chen but maybe we could take susan's approach i mean eat a turkey to make me sweeter (laughs) i sometimes I, i i do i do Shut my mouth. So. Of course, yes. I really try hard to yes, shut my mouth. Yes, you do. Yes. You're perfect. <laughs> but it's <laughs> You are. But it's really hard. Like, how do you, what do you tell yourself in your head? Because there are many things I tell myself in my head. When you have family or friends that contribute nothing to the good of society, to helping those that are so vulnerable, that are so abused, that are so exploited. I mean, there are choice words that are going on in my head. The little know bubble what they above are? your head. Like you're saying like bubble. they contribute nothing, but then they criticize those. No, who they don't criticize. Or, no, I wouldn't. Or say you're they just criticize. saying why are just no why would they get up and yeah, get up, get up off your ass and help you know make the world a better place. Like what? That's what I say in my head, and I have you know, 
or honestly, you, I will tell you that I didn't come into, I don't call myself a philanthropist because I'm not like, you know. Yeah, I it have sounds like, like a fancy word, doesn't it? A very it? fancy word to me. And just I mean, say a giving I, person. Charitable. I'm, I think charitable we're charitable. Giving Philanthropy people. is like, you know, it sounds millions of dollars. Like, you know, kind of what Dana's <laughs> do lots of money. But, but I, I consider myself charitable. But, but there are times where, like, I, I came I, I always was a volunteer, used my my mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. talent so valuable all throughout the years, mm-hmm. but I never really understood the treasures piece, mm. right? How do you mm. get? I wish I would have given earlier mm. as a kid, even if oh, it was yeah. even if I it was it. a little bit amount of money. I, you know, I made a good amount of money at an early stage in my life. So why wasn't I giving? So, but part of me, people, some people aren't giving talents. They're not giving treasures. They're not giving time. Time, not even time. The, the like the thing that doesn't cost you anything. Or the so give what's lip the bubble mm-hmm. or lip service? What's the they'll bubble that goes above your too. head? You know, we bleep here, so you can use those words. <laughs> Seriously, I. I feel bad for them. One of the things that's always helped me with jealousy. You pity them or you feel bad for them? I feel bad for them because it's like the opposite of jealousy. I don't want to be that person. Mm. I don't want to be that person. There was a philosopher, these two philosophers in a field that Goethe spoke about. I mean, the two philosophers watching a woman toiling in the field. And they said, one said to the other, Look at her. She's toiling in the field. She just doesn't think about the world, why we do what we do. She's not worrying about anything. She's just doing her task. And she's not caring about why do we do what we do. How can we have a better life? She's just doing it. She's just going ahead. And the other philosopher, which would be me, putting myself in that position, said, Yeah, but that's not a happiness I want. Mm. I don't want blissful ignorance or just existence existence even if it's painful i try to push myself in things that are painful and i know where my limits are but i've learned so much by pushing myself by thinking sometimes of the things of which i spared myself to see to see see. exactly so i saw these things in my mind's eye or in actuality when i would go to some of these places Mm -hmm. even here in houston and I think about, you know, what do I want to be with, what do I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And as I'm a few months older than you girls, you Only know, there's like 12 months. Month. Well, there's 12 one months month. in a year. So that's an inaccurate statement. <laughs> I can tell you that I start thinking more and more about things in my life and where I'm pointed to go. And, you know, if I may have shared with you all, I had a close call that I uh, mm-hmm. could have been mm-hmm. beyond anything I really had imagined for my life and how it was going to end. And thank God, literally, it's not going to end that way. Um, but I think about so many signs that I get mm. from people that I meet and why they're in my life and what they can gift to me by being in my life. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing. It is a blessing. Thank you to our sponsor, Fliplock, for making this episode possible. Fliplock is a door lock unlike any other lock that was created as a nationwide, straightforward solution to protect your people, whether that be in universities, dorms, daycares, hospitals, or even government buildings. It can be added to nearly any door to keep you and yours safe. We are proud to have such a strong and like-minded sponsor of the Balanced Voice podcast. Check out Flipblock at flipblock.com. That's F L I P L O K.com.
What do you look for, Susan, when you when you and Dan decide and vet nonprofits that you're going to contribute to? What do you look for? Tell me the things that say, you know what, we've worked hard for our money. You and Dan work very hard for your money. Yes, I mean, Dan is not retired. He's no, still he very hasn't active. retired yet. He threatens, yeah. but, but <laughs> you know. But we have 50 million more dogs no, to, to not allow to quit yet. Yes, exactly. What do y'all look at? What are the characteristics you look at? In these nonprofits to say, this is where Dan and I are safe spending our money. We know it's going to contribute positively to the world. Well, we've evolved in that, too. I think like a lot of people, the first thing you look at, now we're starting to go to course correct here a little bit. But at first, you're like, where are the dollars spent? These are what everybody should look at. But there's another way to look at things. And I'll give an example of that. And you may be aware of it, of this person that's, you know, kind of... uh, definitely made me say, yeah, I thought that too. But first you look at where's the majority of the money being spent? How's it being spent wisely? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these kind of things. And then I've had some a little awakening. Like, you know, sometimes there's a thing called, and it's still universal, it takes money to make money. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to spend, like there are people who don't want to spend on a gala because so much is spent on the gala. But how much would they have raised had they yes. not had the gala? Right. Yeah. How much right. would they have raised had they had the lowest paying uh, CEO, for instance, mm-hmm. that says, okay, I'll do it for this much, the low bidder. Yeah. If you had a bridge, would you want someone to say, I'm the lowest bidder, I will do it for you the cheapest. Mm. Would that be the best? Or would you look for the best and then just get the best you can get from that best? Mm -hmm. That's where you would go. And I think that's what we need to look at in all of our philanthropy. And there was even a person that has um, Dan Pallotta or something like that that has uh, got had on YouTube and it's controversial because he said, you know, I used to raise millions for charities, but it would cost them like 30%. And they go, oh, we can't have that. So he goes, now they've gotten their 10% and now they're, they don't, they're not making millions yeah, anymore. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And so if you're trying to help the charity, sometimes it takes money. You have to have the publicity. Mm-hmm. You have to hit the advertising. You have to spend on getting these super So the ones that are elements. doing the shiny objects, you're not afraid of those. You, you I'm, dig I'm, deep, but just a, a little bit out. deeper. Now, if the person that's heading it, of course, is trying to put the shininess on themselves as opposed to the cause, of course, I'm going to object to that Yeah, um, because it should be about the cause. And whoever leads that cause should say, look, I'm the finger pointing to the moon. I'm not the moon. The moon. Yeah. So please look at the moon. Yes, I'm glad you are seeing my finger, but mm-hmm. it's pointing this way, not at the finger. Do you and Dan have different gut instincts about things? Sometimes, but he very, because of me, maybe, uh, he's become... And you're very strong personality. Yes, a little bit. He has definitely shifted um, to my point of view on a lot of things. And uh, he is definitely more open to giving large as opposed to just giving here and there mm-hmm. to make the most impact. And... Um, her phone's going to go off the hook. Right Uh-oh. I know. Okay, don't I know. I've got enough already. I've got enough already. I'm not Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos combined. Even if I were Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates combined, which we're nowhere close to that. And I had a lot of these other super mega wealthy people. You could not solve all the you world's can't. problems. No, not you couldn't. No. Number one, there's a lot of reasons you couldn't because people are not in agreement. Mm-hmm. Again, until we work together yeah. on these basic things, as long as you have people wanting to blow other people out of the water or wanting to say you're no good because your religion sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just back to um, you know medieval times. We need to have progressed 
to that. Uh, but you have to have the will to do it, mm. and you have to do it smart. You have to have the head and the heart working together, and that's difficult. But again, if you start increasing education with people and opportunities, then they're going to be generally more of a like mind than others. Mm-hmm. You're but doing a, fundra- it, a fundraiser right now because you have a farm ranch for yes, pets. Tell us yes. a bit about that. Well, I started this. Uh, what happened is I saw that there was not enough foster homes for all the dogs. People say, save it. It's on the street. Well, people couldn't take them off the street because yes. where were they going to put them? Yes. Right. And so after I reached that, what, 10 million or 9 million limit at my home, I said, mm-hmm. I need to maybe. 10 million dogs. Yeah. 10 million it. dogs. Yeah, but they're little. Yeah. Yeah. They're little. The they don't take up a room. Like <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started thinking about. Uh, what else could we do? So we thought about getting a physical property that could hold animals and foster them while they're being vetted, uh, while we're looking for adopters, and getting them whole emotionally sometimes, mm. as well as physically. And it's a cha- it's challenging um, again because again there's the pushback. Why not do to this? Yes. Why not get this instead of that? You know, and uh, it's not either or for me. It's both. Yes. You know, I don't say, well, I can either brush my teeth or wash my hair. I can do both. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. And it doesn't take away. Yeah. And so I would say the same for that. I mean, if you care about being compassionate, then you need to focus on that. But the um, Happy Faces Pet Ranch, uh, because I wanted people to think of them being happy, mm. you know, not sadness, because they come in there sad a lot, mm. but we want to leave with them happy, and they do. And what is so amazing is people don't even realize this as the biggest component. It makes people's lives better. It literally helps people thrive. Yeah. I yes. mean, whether it's those, a combat... Those babies give yeah. back to you. Those animals Whether it's a back. combat yeah. veteran or in a senior home or in a hospital with therapy dogs, whether it's a bomb-sniffing dog, dog yeah. it's a service dog for someone in a wheelchair or a bl- for a blind or hearing-impaired person. Dogs finding pornographic material. Yeah. They, oh my homes. gosh, they find... they Yeah, I mean, gra- they grab on. They're not letting go unless they hear the command. You're like, yay, go get them. So there are a lot of wonderful things that they provide for us but the letters and things and the texts I get out of the blue from people that say Susan I want you to see this dog has changed my life this dog has made our life better this filled the hole in our heart after our son died I mean Mm. makes you tear up yes and you're like I've got to take a minute here before I even respond to that text and they'll say look at this and then to know that you took this dog from hell Mm -hmm. to heaven that's what I love about you, though. You're you're philanthropic, of course, which is amazing. But you're also boots on the ground. You go to India. You go to to yeah. different parts of the country. You're looking at children and the environment that they're being raised in. You're you're investing in solutions, but also participating participating with animals. I'm, I mean, we've said it. We're not joking. Every t- single time we're on the phone with you, <laughs> there is something that you're doing to protect, save. And there's definitely a dog in the background. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent of the time, and you've gotten Sorry. yourself in scary situations yes. because of it. Dangerous, yes. dangerous situations. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I and you may not want to talk about that, but what I it's what fine. I am interested in and in kind of going back to this polarizing world and. Yeah, we can say between the given community, people are saying give to the arts, don't give to kids or animals or whatever they might mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. But but how do you? You know, you, you you talk about keeping your joy. You don't want to lose your joy. You're okay with looking at the hard things in the world. But we've also spun off track a little mm-hmm. bit. And and 
you know, you've seen sort of what we've gone through. You've been pulled into some of it too. People say, you shouldn't do this. You should do this. Aren't you? Don't you stand for that? Don't you stand for this? How do you help everybody just unravel, calm down and get back to service? And is it even possible to do that? I don't know that it's possible, but I do know that we have to try. Mm. You know, if we don't have hope, what do we have? I mean, I when I would talk to some of the children and some of the kids like in the refugee camp in Zatari, the largest Syrian refugee camp in the world, I was heartened because some of the children told me that if it wasn't for the camp, they had no hope. Mm. And their parents would tell me, we had no hope. We thought we were going to die out here. And people we don't even know cared about us. And you're here, and you're giving us food and water, Mm. and you're getting us out of the tents and into these cargo containers, which they had other people volunteer to paint. And you're making us safe. And it's not perfect, and there's crime there, and there's abuse there, but it's better than it was. Yeah. And sometimes you can't make it perfect. Most of the time you can't. But you can make it better. Mm. And isn't that what we should be doing as human beings? Aren't we called on to make at least our part of the world better? Yeah. Mm. Or why even have a life? What is that purpose? Everyone should have multiple purposes in their life. I don't feel that it's just one thing. I've never felt that it was just one thing. Mm -hmm. Because I see a new thing, and I'm like, that's something I need to maybe look into. And because of that, I've been evolving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... And you're beautiful, by the way. You're too kind. (laughs) You are. And, you know, I, I I was on the phone this morning with... With um, a survivor, I'm trying to get. She went through to detox, and now we're trying to get to her, you know, to like uh, recovery and restoration, restorative services. And you know what she said? She said, "You know what, Jen? I love you because you're helping me. I'm just trying to focus on surviving today and feeling safe. And you're just gonna, you're preparing mm-hmm. my next step for mm-hmm. me." Mm-hmm. And and I responded back to her. I said, "Look, I can tell you, I can I can provide the next step or plan the next step for you, but you have to walk through the door." Yeah, and that's 100%. the hardest part. It's yeah. easy for me to coordinate whatever, but you walking through the door, and I think that's what you do, Susan. You you prepare that next step for not only God's children, but God's animals and God's mm. humans, just just humankind. And it you're always looking at what that next step is for people. And I just think that's why you're one of my most favorite people in the whole wide world. Well, you're very kind. Speaking of which. Jennifer, what you do, when I met Jennifer, I didn't know who the hell this psycho this no, this firecracker was. Firecracker is the best. Word. She's like a firecracker. Yes. And I thought, this woman has got some kind of internal combustion engine mm. that's just driving her to do these amazing things. And in this little body, she has this big spirit that explodes. And I just like, I need to know this person. This is a new person to inspire me. Mm. No, I feel the same about you. And you. So we're just gonna have a love fest yeah, yes, we do. on Bad's Voice Podcast. And you can I, hug, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> but and I, I wanna say also about Rania. Rania's very understated and she has so the biggest heart 
and mm-hmm. a brain and intellect. Oh, I mean, big your, your resume is incre- <laughs> incredible with her education level. And I see, and don't look at me, mm. I see in her eyes the windows of this woman's soul. Yes. This woman truly cares about those victims. Mm-hmm. I can see it in your eyes. I'm sure you got that from your mom and your dad. Mm. You have real compassion and that's what it's called for in a position that you have because you're dealing with some really hard, bad stuff here that happens to people. And lives not only are lost, but the lives left behind that are devastated. And for you to be able to comfort them, and again, using that word hope, that not only can they survive and thrive even through what they've been through, but that you're trying to prevent through like all these programs you've come mm-hmm. up with yourself that you're team. that, that have you have team. come up with these things to be proactive to prevent the suffering we're on the back end trying to catch the people as they're falling off the cliff and you're trying to say also which is what jennifer and i would also like to do keep them from falling off the cliff in the first place we have if you can do that you are ahead of the game because it is really hard to catch all of these it is and i'll tell you it's not me it's we have the best team i believe hiring the best people and and truly i mean it's a very common statement getting out of their way um but i will say it gets frustrating you can have a mission, you can have pureness of heart, you can renew yourself every day for me with prayer, you can do all those things, but then you got to deal with the politics and the people who who want to trip you up and stop you and close the doors when you're like, I thought I thought we were opening these Or the doors. imposters yeah. or the ones that just pontificate rather than truly have depth. But pontificate with, with swords. Yeah, with and like, swords you know, and it's bull- if you just say whatever yeah. stabs in the back yeah. so <laughs> nicole our deputy director made um i have three kids i was literally going to call it a sippy cup it's not a sippy cup it's like a tumbler i don't know what they're called but you like they keep drinks cold and yeah. she like customized one for every single person and mine last year was you know a bullseye with like a sword right in my back for to to for last year but i'll tell you that's what gets f- if you feel like you're running and you're energizing, the mission's pure and perfect, and you're going to keep and you're going, you're still getting people pulling on but you. you get the, it gets tiring. It gets tiring because it's like pull you back, trip you, pull you back, trip you. Well, and you but know we have that a at the very that, core level, and those same people worry about their own safety. But they most of them don't have to worry about their safety. Right, that's the annoying thing by their security. Teams, that's the an, or or whatever or whatever for whatever reason. It's just not it's not a big thing for them, but. And I'm not talking about leadership. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just saying in general. You deal with it, too. You deal with politics. You deal with people who have different opinions that think you should be doing things the way they... Or you have people that say, support me, support me, support me. And they won't support you. And they won't support you or they walk all over your support. I mean, we And they're like, can you do more? And you're, you know, the thing is... It, you know, there was this Chinese proverb about the crabs in the pot. Mm. And I don't know if you've heard it, but it's so applicable to so many things. But, you know, there's a, and they're really not doing this. It's just an appearance. But when their crabs are trying to get out of the pot to learn more and do more, the other crabs pull them back in. And they're like, come down here with us. Don't go up there and see the light. Kind of like Plato's allegory of the cave, yeah. right? Yeah. That's a big allegory. It's mm. applicable to so many things. We could talk about that just in a podcast. But, you know, there are people that don't want 
other certain people to succeed because maybe you'll outshine them. Or there are people who don't want you to succeed because they're going to think you'll be different. You need to be just like us. You can't be or do different. do it their way. And do it their, or way. Do it their way. But yeah. the thing is, yeah. all of us, like you were talking about walking the path, we can only show people what we've learned. And then even as the Buddha said, don't take everything I say mm-hmm. as perfect. Mm-hmm. It may be. But the only way you're going to know if it's good is to test it again with your head and with your heart. And the more important it is, the more time you spend on that. If it's whether to wear this pants or that pants, that may not be a life and death decision you need to contemplate. (laughs) Yeah. But if it's like, should I be a lawyer or should I be a minister or something? Mm. You have to figure out which is the best, best life path. And we don't always make the right decision. I don't know about you guys, but I've made some bad decisions. Mm. And I've trusted people I shouldn't. Mm. And I've also committed the sins of omission, things I should have done. Um, or you ignore. Or I ignored or didn't pay attention to it, yeah. not realizing how important it really was. And I think about those things. But I do know that when you're doing good, the spotlight is kind of sometimes on you, even if you're not looking for it. But the people who aren't looking for the spotlight, those are the people that I consider the good and the great. They're a combination. They're doing great things, but they're also good. Mm. There are people who do have done great things. Napoleon, but he's not yeah. good, yeah. but he was great. Yeah. Mm. Alexander the Great was killing a lot of mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, but good and great, the combination I have met in this lifetime, let alone who I've read about, are truly humble. And you know why? Just like Socrates said, I am wise because I know I'm not that wise. Mm. <laughs> I know what I don't know. I exactly. I know that I don't know everything, which sets him apart from the people. Oh, I know pontificating that I know all these answers. That's always the ones I'm the most skeptical of, uh, whether in religion or politics or whatever. I'm like, give yourself some wiggle room there because you last time know. I checked, I don't think that you are all that. Yeah. Um, I know you think so, and that's fine. Great unconfidence. Good, yes. good for you that you're good confident. For the however, how, there's the big however, right? Yes. And so I, I think there's always going to be people who don't want you to succeed for whatever reason, or they're jealous. Or they just you're different than them, so therefore you're just wrong. Or they perceive you're, you're perceive you're different, and maybe you're really not as different. Yeah, I've sat down with people who I just didn't think I had a thing in common with, and then I would sit with them like at a lunch thing, and then find out something like their this family had this or their family had that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling like a little connection here with this person. You yeah. allow yourself, yes. to you allow open self, open and you've up. got to if you don't allow yourself to be open i mean you know have your guard up you know what did reagan say you know trust but verify Mm -hmm. right have your guard up but do let some people in you will be rewarded and you will find that you will learn so much from them because we're all students Mm -hmm. and we're all teachers too i mean we have that dual role don't you think yeah I agree. Okay, we got to wrap up with. We do, but I, I, I just, I have two silly questions, and they're not silly. Okay. Um, first of all, we've mentioned Dan a lot. Tell us very quickly about your wonderful husband, Dan, because we've talked about well, him. Well, thank you. I, for me, he's like the rock star keeping schools safe through genius architectural design, but he does a lot more than what's in my that. wheelhouse. 
you know, the thing is about Dan, he doesn't really talk about to me all the good things that he does, and I'll find out later. Mm. Um, just, you know, quiet things that he does, like, I'll say, oh, we that person, blah, blah. he goes, I, I help them out. Mm. And I said, what do you mean you help them out? He goes, I help them out. I help mm. them out. And I know what that means. And then also, it's just like after the school shootings, and this is not a promotion for him at all. He is going to be retiring. Oh, um, wow. But regardless, uh, you know, he was so concerned about it. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, I, even though I can only do so much in my school design, I can do all of these things, but we need to pull more people in. And he decided to go and get all the experts in school safety and uh, police captains of, of schools and things like that and have a, a whole institute for this. And he offered free, yeah, it's free, advice to all these schools. He's amazing. He says, yeah. I don't need, I don't, I'm not going to, and he, he said to me, and I hope this is not saying anything, he said to me, I don't want to make any money off mm-hmm. the blood of children. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, this is Dan, 100% So like you got to tell, tell the audience what Dan does. Dan uh, founded, yeah. right, and, run, and and CEO of one of the um, most amazing architecture firms here in, in the city of Houston. And, mm-hmm. But he does projects all over the country, is yes. that right? Yeah. Yes, yes, he does. And uh, schools and uh, public work are his specialty. Yeah, his work, school, his work in the schools is phenomenal. Amazing. And he doesn't get into the politics because, of course, it's very political. And he goes, I just really tell people I don't like to get pulled into the yeah, politics of, of it. Yeah. I try to do what's right. And I have to think about the kids. And sometimes because he does beautiful schools, sometimes I go, oh, my gosh, it's too beautiful. Why do we need to place that beautiful? He, it, he said, I'm doing it for the same fee as anybody else. Yeah. We just... Yeah. Yes. You know, they're, the fees are kind of set. And so um, he just wants to do a good job. And if they're innovative, sometimes people are like, oh, we don't need that. But like you said, it's the people in the school district that make those decisions. He's just the person that does the work. So, um, it, you know, it's important to have uh, better design schools for a host of reasons, not just safety, but just for uh, academic excellence. Yeah. They've already shown that better schools, if you come from a crummy school, your appearance-wise, it's not likely to do as well. Mm-hmm. And the efficiency of where things are located within yes. a building, there are all these things. And then the structure of the building. Nothing is perfect. No person is perfect. He's just trying to do the best he can, and he's learning a lot and has learned a lot, and he's always reading about the newest things. And I just admire that he's quietly philanthropic on so many levels. I can't even tell you. I mean, I just find out about things. And he's just a giving, caring person. And and um, I attribute that to him connecting with who he really is as a person. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah okay, my very last question. It's just silly. But Susan, like four or five years ago, pre-COVID, walked into my house with balloons. And it wasn't like a regular balloon. It was... I don't know what it was. She goes, these are from Taya Leone. And I was like, what? And she's like, yes, I just got them for her and I want to give them to you. You've met a lot of fascinating people. Who would you say is the most fascinating person you've met? Well, I've met several really fascinating people. I would say from an animal perspective, Jane Goodall. Mm. She helps the humans, the animals, and the environment. Yes. Um, I did a fundraiser for my in her for her in my home in mm. 2005. Mm. Doctor Goodall, she is completely down to earth. Mm. She is elevated, 
and you talk about Maslow's self-actualization. She's, She's had a peak experience. Yeah, totally. she, she says, I see the spiritual connection in all of creation, mm -hmm. and I felt it, and I see it. And she's humble. Yeah. She sees it. She's she amazing. felt it. She talks about it. She is totally self-actualized. She gets why she's here. Mm -hmm. She doesn't care about stuff mm -mm. at all. Mm -mm. And then on the human field, I would say one of the most amazing people, if you don't know about her, please read about her, Molly Melching. Mm. She founded Toastan, T-O-S-T-A-N. What she has done is truly helped people survive and thrive. And girls, this is going to be hard to hear, and I know you know about this. She has literally stopped hundreds of thousands of girls in parts of Africa, beginning in Senegal, oh. by preventing FGM, oh, yeah, FGC. Read about it. Yes. You might be, it might be hard it. to talk about on this podcast. She did it by saying, she started, she went to the Peace Corps. And she heard about this stuff going on, mm -hmm. like in the 70s. It's just she, to give, it's mutilation. It's, it's permanent, yes. it's yeah. permanent yeah. mutilation yeah. to young girls. It's horrific. And even women. Yeah. And it's permanent and painful. And Ugh. it is deadly, often deadly, it's the hemorrhaging. horrible. And uh, causes emotional and other grief. And you're bullied and ostracized if you don't have it. And it's cultural. It's not religious, no. as some people have falsely claimed. And she went to the Peace Corps and did what, Susan? And she was just there in the Peace Corps, and she learned about the FGM. So she decided to stay behind, and she started working with the community leaders, again, in kind. She's like, I look different from you. Mm. I know I'm from America. I don't want to go and interfere. But she tried to find some members in the community that would listen, and then she found more. And they did that thing. They were able to flip a switch where there were people that said, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do this to my daughter. I don't, as a matter of fact, I don't want to do this yes. to my daughter. Yes. Is there a way without being ostracized that I can prevent this? She has helped prevent early marriage. She's helped them to get education. Amazing. She wow. has helped women have leadership in the community, literally hundreds of thousands. That is creating a ripple effect of millions. Mm -hmm. Wow. Millions. Wow. No, one person. Yeah. Well, Susan, you should read you're creating it. a ripple effect. Yeah. You're creating a ripple <laughs> Hopefully effect. Hopefully today. Yes. Um, Susan, you're amazing. Thank we you. you. We, we, we are so thrilled to have you on the Balanced Voice podcast. Your work is incredible. What you're doing in Houston is incredible. What you do with Crime Stoppers, Houston 20, all the of us. world. Animals, everything. We thank you. Thank you. And uh, Well, I thank both of you for doing what you do. You need, a, you deserve a lot of credit because you're women leaders who are showing that you can be thought leaders and doers and you're active and you're physically doing it you're not just showing up at a luncheon and paying for a luncheon ticket and just thinking you've done your part you're mm -hmm. like all in mm -hmm. and i feel a sisterhood in that we're all in we're all in we're, we're all, all in. in call susan bojo you will hear a dog in the background <laughs> anyway thank you we'll catch you guys next time on the thank balance you. Voice podcast take care everybody thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's Balanced Conversation. You can find real solutions and tangible resources in our show notes at thebalancevoicepodcast.com. To join the conversation, follow us on Instagram at thebalancevoicepodcast and on Twitter at balancevoice underscore. Stay up to date on Renya's work by following her at The Renya Report. And we can't wait to see you next week for another Balanced Conversation.